648 Seattle's Morning News. It took almost 10 years, but the families of some of the victims of the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre have now reached a $73 million settlement with gunmaker Remington. Let's bring on former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Our conversation brought to you by Madrona Financial Services. First of all, I thought that gunmakers had immunity to this kind of lawsuit, Rob. Well, we've talked about this before, and and I know you're thinking of the the federal law that was passed back in 2005 called the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. It was passed by Congress after there were some successful lawsuits brought by plaintiffs such as the city of Chicago, uh, arguing that the criminal use of handguns was reasonably foreseeable. So Congress passed this immunity shield, but they did uh, leave in place uh, liability for gun makers who, for example, uh, were negligent in the marketing of their products. And that opened the door to this lawsuit under Connecticut's Consumer Protection Law, its Unfair Trade Practices Act, which in 2019, the Connecticut Supreme Court uh, said could be applied in this case based on Remington's marketing, its promotional materials for the AR-15 style Bushmaster rifle that the shooter used at Sandy Hook. So, Rob, uh, Heather Bosch here. Question for you. We're hearing the the thought, the idea that perhaps this will open the door for a lot of lawsuits. It sounds like this one might be more specific to Connecticut and their laws. I think that's right, Heather. Number one, um, you know, Connecticut's consumer protection law is uh, worded differently than a lot of states. It prohibits advertising and marketing that is, quote, immoral and unscrupulous. Uh, That's a standard that you don't typically see in these consumer protection statutes, which refer to unfair or deceptive. Number two, from what I've read, the the gun makers have been moving away from the kind of marketing and messaging that gave rise to Remington's liability here. Remington uh, evidently in the years leading up to the Sandy Hook massacre, uh, was really emphasizing the offensive use of its weapons. That you know, they they literally said, uh, "Consider your man card issued uh, if you bought one." They they emphasized military style uses of the weapon. Now, from what I've read, the gun makers are more careful to limit their marketing messages to messages about self-defense and hunting and so forth. So the gun makers are already making adjustments. The last point I would make is that this settlement was actually with Remington's insurance companies, not with the company itself, which went into bankruptcy back in 2020 and has since been sold and broken up. So does this put pressure on other gun makers whose insurers might be calling them up and saying, hey, check, check your marketing campaigns before you go forward with them? I think it does, uh, because this case definitely stands for the proposition that uh, your marketing, your messaging to consumers can open you up to this kind of liability because it's it's permitted under the federal law that we were talking about. Uh, And uh, it only takes one state uh, with the right wording in its statute to really expose a gun maker to this kind of liability, as we saw in Connecticut. I'm curious how far this might go. So, for example, (laughs) There are some groups that push the idea of using guns to defend yourself against your government. They might not say something like, you know, okay, consider your man card issued, right? But there is certainly that sort of militia-type streak in some of the marketing that you see. Could that render a gun manufacturer vulnerable or, or frankly, any of these groups vulnerable uh, 
for people well, who misuse groups, weapons? Yeah, I think the groups could be vulnerable. The, the, whether the gun maker is, is liable or not really comes down to what they're actually saying in their marketing, as opposed to what groups that promote their products say. So I, I think you're going to see the gun makers, uh, you know, continue to be much more careful than they have in the past. Uh, this is a real wake up call to those that haven't already gotten the message that marketing uh, AR-15 style weapons and other weapons uh, with strong military themes and themes around how you can you use these weapons offensively. Those are messages that the gun makers are going to are going to stay away from going forward, I think. And you're right, Dave, that their insurers will be telling them that if they aren't already getting the message. I'm curious. It seems like a lot of the movement we've seen in gun laws and regulations has happened at the state level, not the federal level. Um, what's the reason behind that? It's hard to move legislation of any type in Congress. It's designed to be a complicated, difficult process. And you have plenty of supporters of uh, gun rights in Congress that would move to block those mo- those kinds of measures. Uh, the federal law, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act in 2005, passed by wide margins in the House and the Senate. And you see that, you know, that, that those politics at work even in our own state where there are, you know, a number of Democratic lawmakers who are not eager to, uh, to pass gun laws uh, that uh, they think would you know, uh, upset the National Rifle Association, for example. And that's because there are lots of, uh, you know, American citizens who believe strongly in their right to keep and bear arms, and um, they will vote against a legislator in a, in a heartbeat if they think the legislator's coming after their guns. Former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Rob, thanks very much. Thank you very much.